It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Howdy, folks. Happy Tuesday and a busy Tuesday it is. Uh, we are joined here uh, by Joe Yurden. Uh, thanks, Joe, for joining us. Uh, we're going to do our pre-show to start, and then we'll do our intros. Um, and Russ, of course, our pre-show over the last few weeks has been concentrating on baseball and the dysfunction. And Rob Manfred just contributed to, the, to that dysfunction last night on ESPN. Yeah, the there's a few things. So with that, what I'm going to call – interview because it really wasn't an interview with Mike Greenberg. Um, Mike Greenberg just basically let Rob Manfred just bury the players without any other side being given and never countering with a question. And I didn't see the whole interview and I'm glad I didn't, but basically really only pressured him twice just to ask him if he's playing. What he didn't talk about was the fact that they asked the players to sign all their rights away uh, in order to make this season happen, which of course no player in any union or no worker in any unions ever going to do. Right. And and so that was left out of the conversation. And Manfred was kind of like, well, yeah, this is kind of unfortunate. And this is just, you know, and it's like, you know, way to show both sides there, ESPN. But at the end of the day, Manfred is despicable. He's despicable in the sense that he's trying to, he went on ESPN and he, I think he, honestly, I think he tried to gain public support by saying he doesn't think there's going to be a season. And what he doesn't realize is, and I did a poll the other day on Twitter, it's not scientific, but like 72% of those people said they're willing to walk away from baseball. And Manfred doesn't realize there's a large percentage of people now just willing to walk away from this season and well, never tune in, even well, if they had one. Well, this is what I, I found uh, found out in just following the what was going on yesterday. Apparently, Jan, there's talk about as soon as the – Major League Baseball announced a 48-game schedule. The plan of the PA was to file a grievance. Mm -hmm. And apparently the only way that Major League Baseball can avoid the grievance is by them waiting to the absolute last second based on the agreement that they made with the players in March. And if their only option is to play 48 games, then they avoid the grievance because they're afraid that you know, there's a possibility that the players would win the grievance and then several billion dollars would have to be paid by the owners, uh, the full salary to the players. So they're avoiding what a shame. Yeah, I know. But, but Hey, I mean, that's, you know, that's what's, that's what's going on. I, mean, I know. So Jan, what, what do you think of that? So there's a couple of things. So, I mean, if you read some of the quotes from the players, I mean, I think Will Middlebrooks, who was a former player came out and said it, Trevor Bowers come out and said, it, right. It's very clear. Manfred, as you said, is playing the I'm going to slow play this for as long as humanly possible. Right. So 72 games is no longer an option on the table. And all we can get was the 48 games to avoid the grievance. Right. But so if they file a grievance, the, the, the players, the owners are going to file a counter grievance. And the owners, I think, are, as you said, are paranoid that they're going to lose their case right. and be forced to pay an inordinate amount of money. Right. And as Russ said, look. Public perception right now is siding with the with the players. There's no question. There are some who are saying, well, shouldn't the players be held to their contracts? I'm like, yeah, they negotiated a cut in March. Granted, you can argue whether or not the letter and the email was explicit as to whether or not that if, if you don't have fans, that would enable you to further cut it. But here's a hint, guys. Find a way to talk together. 
the, the sending of emails or presentations back and forth isn't negotiating. It's public posturing. And right now, Rob Manford, you're losing that game. I mean, we talked yesterday, Sosa McGuire, right? And you can say what you want about the steroids. Those two and Ripken brought back baseball. I don't know what's bringing back baseball if they don't play now. And especially if you have a strike after the CBA expires after next season, the fan base that you need to build, which is losing because of the minor leagues contracting, will never be brought back. Joe, my yeah. grievances right now is that I can't see the Yankees play, and I think four, and can't see Garrett Cole pitch. So that's that's my grievance. As much as the excitement of talking about grievances, pitched the Yankee Stadium yesterday, Mike. He was in shorts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's your Stroud of seeing him on a Yankee Stadium, out, Mike. Yeah. Right. Yeah, thank Nothing you. gets the crowd going like grievance talk, folks. Um, let's. Um, <laughs> yeah, because we never talk CBA talk with the NHL, right? Oh no, that was horrible, dude. Don't trust me. But the person who probably wouldn't be here were it not for CBA talk. I can tell you that, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's horrendous. I mean, but, you know, thankfully. No, I'm, and I'm, you guys are doing great stuff. I'm just saying it's just like, you know, it's just <laughs> we're done. Well, let's go to a happy topic. Buffalo. grievance discussion. It's like, yeah, you know, we, we buried the lead here. That's why we got Joe on the that's show. That's what I'm going to say. Ladies and gentlemen, let's 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 start this uh, thing yeah. show. All right, here we go. Right, um, <laughs> here we go. Hello, Hockey World. It is Tuesday, June 16th, 2020. I'm Michael Michael Jello, and I'm in the center of the hockey dysfunctional universe, Buffalo, New York. I'm Jan Levine. I'm out on Long Island, where news is not particularly favorable today either. I'm Anthony Mangione from Stunners <laughs> Philly Magazine. <laughs> Russ Cohen from Sportsology. Father's Day shopping right behind me. That's right, and that is Joe Yerden from Buffalo, and we are um, we are going to. And I am Eklund. You're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com, and I will take Joe for the block. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean Janice Paul Lind? I guess so. Um, and you're watching the you're watching the hockey hockey. You got to be really old to understand that joke. First off, yes. Yeah, you know, um, we're all getting there. We're all getting there. People, right? I bet you most people in our thing don't even get that. Nice but uh, anyway, Luke Cockwood. You're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. It's the podcast that comes to you every Monday through Friday to fill you in the comings and goings in the hockey world. And uh, Joe, so we had you on not too long ago with like all this talk about, you know, how, you know, Botterill is safe and everything's good and everybody's fine. And then, of course, this morning we wake up to the news and um, of Mr. Botterill's gone. Kevin a Adams, I keep wanting to say Kevin Allen. Kevin Adams is in. And um, what are your thoughts, Joe? What are your thoughts on this whole thing? Well, I think we made the mistake a couple of weeks ago of taking taking uh, the vote of confidence at face value. <laughs> <laughs> what we were picking up another vote of confidence always lead to this, right? This right, is right. And yeah, I mean, I, I guess the information Kim Bagula had that 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 they know better uh, about things was uh, was something along these lines. Um, this is uh, I. It, it's like I said on, on Twitter this, this morning. It on the whole, it's not a huge surprise. I mean, you can look at the whole picture of what Jason Bottrell's done and say, yes, probably earned. Uh, it's, it's an earned, you know, relieving of duties, but uh, to go with Kevin Adams, who's, who's been with the organization for, for a little bit here now, he, he's kind of risen up through, through them. And he, he's gotten himself, he's gotten himself into a spot where he was, he's pretty close to the, to the right hand of the ownership. And now he's running the hockey team. So yeah. it, it's, it, it's, I, I think that's the development that that's really just it's piqued my attention on all of this is that you know they didn't do any sort of outside look they kept it yeah. in house and they decided to just you know when they they can't trust 
and this is something Kim Pagula said, you know, a while back in a, in a story done by Tim Graham. I think it was Tim Graham. Yeah. Um, may have been a John Warrell story too. Either way, uh, that when they don't feel they can trust people on the outside, they turn inside, and that is what this move feels like to me. Is that they don't want to look outside the organization because there are certainly countless numbers of people that um, that could be yeah. that could get yeah. this job, and there'd be no argument. But they kept it in house because that's who they trust and. That to me signals uh, the changes that, that are going to happen in this offseason. They're not going to be breaking the bank. They're, they're, it's going to be some low cost. It's going to be some budget stuff, yeah. which is really tough because they've got some big contracts to get worried to get worked out and to get figured yeah. out. And all I know yeah. is if I'm Sam Reinhardt, uh, I'm getting my arbitration case together very quickly yeah. because uh, I don't know that I'm going to be getting that long term contract. I'll say. Let, let let me start, and we'll go around the horn here, just to keep it organized. Uh, since I since I was covering the Sabers and going to a number of games, I've been more attuned to what's been going on this year than in previous years. And I have to say, if there's a way for the Sabers to screw things up, they do. And and even in this instance where. It was not a popular decision to bring Bottrell back. They took a PR hit when they announced it a few weeks ago, and now they take a PR hit because of the dysfunctional decision to let him go. Now they say in the press release philosophical differences. Well, I'll I'll just I'll just you know go here and make make a an assumption. Bottrell goes in and says, "I know I'm going to get fired if this team doesn't make the playoffs this year," and like Joe said. You know, they're going to be under budgetary constraints. The Pagulas are bleeding money when it comes to the Sabres. The Bills, they're getting money from the NFL, so that's not as bad. But they're they're losing on the Sabres, and they're saying, okay, we're not going to go out and spend tons of money. And Bottle knows that they need to make changes, make additions, a second-line center, maybe boost their defense, maybe their goaltending, and knows that they're not going to spend the money. And basically, he's in a position where he's going to lose his job after another year because they're not willing to make the decisions that need to be made to make this team a playoff team. So he basically, at that point, said, you know, they mutually agreed to to part ways or he got fired because he wouldn't go with the plan. That is ridiculous. I mean, this team has not made the playoffs since 2011. They They are the picture of dysfunction, and they just continued it today. Let me um, throw this out there for a second because I'm going to go from a little bit of a, I mean, you guys are in Buffalo, Mike and Joe are both in Buffalo. You see a lot of this stuff that's going on. I'm going to go from the outside perspective. I'm like just a person who follows them. Like I follow all the other teams because I have to, I'm a, reporting on all the teams. And I'm going to say that what this feels like to me, whenever something like this happens, it feels as if you know, there's huge change. You know, there's huge problems with it. Somebody like a Jack Eichel, maybe, wanted this to happen. Um, not that, you know, I don't think Jack was running the team, but, you know, usually if something like this happens after a vote of confidence, the other thing, and I and I, I don't see Jack as ever being the kind of guy who goes to go to ownership and say, you know, we, we want him out. But more than that, it really feels like you're afraid of going outside the organization because you're already down a certain path and to start over again is is really you, you, like we've talked about this team can't start over again they have to find a way to make this path work joe does that make any sense yeah i i think that play, that plays into the keeping it in-house part too just yeah. because it, it they basically have all the notes together from from what you know from what right. really and sexton and, and botrell done and they're saying like okay well 
keep try to keep Rochester on this path. You know, we got you know they just signed Loxon in to bring him over. Right. Um, let's let's start. You know, let's not worry about that so much. We got to get Buffalo figured out, and then from that point, I mean, you know, one of their people that yeah. they followed the summer was their analytics person. So it's like, well, they, they got all of that, right. you know, they got all Jason Nightingale's information. So, right. you know, what, you know, why, why keep paying them? If you've already got all their information, we've already got somebody that we're, that we're dropping right. a lot of money on. Well, right. Russ, let me just ask you this. Um, you know, a guy we mentioned uh, previous to the show, like Mike Fuda, who was let let go by the Kings, and he's out there, and he's obviously a candidate for GM jobs. What do you think the first question that Fuda would have asked the Sabers in an interview process? How much money do I have to work with? How much autonomy do I have? And now you've got Kruger, I think, stepping up with his sway over the organization, and a first-time general manager whose main job up until last year was managing the Harbor Center and the academy of hockey this is a the, the pagulas and kruger are in control here right the first the first mistake for me is you should always look outside and do the interviews even yeah. if you don't think you're going to hire anybody else just to make sure your guy stacks up against what's out there or so you could see the difference compared to what your guy is like compared to what's out there the other thing is i gotta tell you randy sexton and steve Greeley, i i've had Many dealings with them with my XM show. Sexton was terrific with Pittsburgh. I mean, you want to talk about scouting and hockey ops and really with the Rangers. Yeah. These are smart guys. These are smart front office guys. They just cleaned it out. Who is there to help Kevin Adams? There's nobody. They don't even have a team president. Like the fact that right now their their front office is lacking. And maybe they're going to put somebody else in there that they decide they like. But the idea is management structure-wise. They're missing a lot of slots, man. Is there anybody else, Joe, in this organization that, you know, could be helping them, like that could help them out? Or is that, you know, is this is and the other question I ask along that is, is this the other thing that comes to play with this is this kind of feels like an owner who might want to run the team? You know, that's the other thing that you would see from the outside looking in. Yeah. And the, the owner, the owner running the team part is kind of that, you know, who do you trust? goes right. back to that conversation who do they trust right. they trust themselves you know they right, right. They're, they're the smartest people in the room as far as they're concerned and yeah they've got the money that can kind of back it up i guess but yeah um, but I, I i think when you know ownership talks here in you know another two hours or so um the fact that kruger is going to be in on that on that uh yeah. that meeting is is really interesting to me yeah. uh, just because coach isn't usually there for you know, for a new GM introduction, right. just off to the side. I think this is this is really interesting that that Ralph is involved with that. Which you know, I think that I think the suspicion since Ralph was hired, honestly, was that at some point, just because of his background and running, you know, running Southampton, right, and his and his you know his entire you know TED Talk background and everything. Yeah, absolutely. At some point, he's probably going to be an executive. And part yeah. of me wonders if maybe that time might be. Like he might be adding another title to his role to head coach, like um, like VP of hockey operations or something like that. Something you know, something where he gets a lot more of a say. In yeah. I mean, Ralph was hired as he was Jason's guy. You yeah. know, Jason knew him from you know back in the day in, in, in Winnipeg. Right. So, right. Uh, so if I was Ralph, I'd be very nervous. You know, new GM, <laughs> even though it's an in-house guy, I'd be like, am I going to be sticking around here? Or you know, what's going on? But I, I know, I know, ownership adores Ralph, and I think they take. They take great value in in how he feels a business should be run, 
Um, and I wonder if maybe he's going to get more of a hand in that. That's what I was, and I, I was thinking along those lines, it would be a really interesting structure, Joe, if Ralph ends up getting, you know, a executive level position with yeah. Adams. Again, there has to be like a, a, a level of synergy that's going to have to exist between the coach and the GM. At least it seems that way, even though, yeah. Uh, he was J even though Ralph was hired by J uh, by Jason. Um, it's just, I'm, I'm going to go refer to your colleague, Paul Hamilton. I know he stated that they've been grooming Adams. They didn't going to quote this verbatim from Paul Hamilton. He said that, uh, uh, he said that they've been grooming Adams for this since they bought the Sabres. They wanted him to get experience in every part of the organization to get ready for this, which again is, is a fascinating sort of yeah. view of that when you brought him bottle originally and Adams has been with the organization for how long now, Joe? I think it's about eight, eight yeah. years, and he was, and he was only thing as prior to this, other than being on the business side, was he was assistant, yeah. he was assistant coach, right? Play, uh, a player prior to that, so right. he's been steeped in almost entirely in the business side of things with a with the unique background of being both an NHL player and a coach prior, but never in man, never in a hockey ops management. It so feels, you're right, Anthony. It feels doesn't it feel like that? You know, okay, we don't know the back what's happening. Behind we this don't, thing. yeah, but it feels like. Over like the last couple of years, Bottle's been making decisions, right? And and you know, and Pagula's liked some of them, hasn't liked some of them, but but has been talking like Adams and Pagula have been talking about it and like complaining to each other about it and like saying, ah, oh, it feels like that kind of situation. Like you know, we're going to just take this and run with it because, and I'm not you know because they did groom Adams so clearly. Um, he's he's they they've been grooming him before they had Bottle, right? So like whole nine yards is completely. But if they were grooming him before they had Botterill, why didn't they ever make him a team president or an assistant general manager so he could actually learn those things before taking over a position like this? Yeah, I mean, he was. He Anybody was, have the answer for that? No, he, I mean, he was named VP of Business Administration last September, so he had one year in terms of, and he, he got his MBA during during the time that he was uh, working uh, as uh, the VP of the Harbor Center. So right. I mean, he's setting up a business acumen in terms of being a business guy as a GM, but Jan, he hasn't been in hockey operations or behind the bench as an assistant coach since 2013. So we're talking about a neophyte here. Yeah. I mean, I guess my question to Joe is this, is, is, is strip out the timing, strip out the optics and everything else. Do you view this as the right moves for the Sabre organization? Is it something where Botterill had earned enough of a leeway to be able to try to implement what he's trying to do, or has the moves that he's done backfire to so much of an extent that this was the right move regardless of who they bring in for well i i don't my my gut on this is that this is this is a this is not the right move um yeah uh just because of just because adams is so green and that's it's not to say that he can't be he can't be good at the job it's just right now the way it feels it, it it does not feel good. I mean, this, but this could turn into, and it's never a saber story unless you're referencing something from the semi-recent past. But this has a a bit of a Darcy Regeer sort of feel to it, um, where you know he was an executive for so long in the game, and then suddenly he's got the job, and then you know then he's got the job forever. And you know, right, right. Um, that's not to say that Adams is going to be a GM for the next 17 years. I mean, if he does, he's that, young enough, he could do it. That's true. Um, <laughs> Be incredible if if that's the way it works out, especially given all the the, the turnover here the last seven eight years. But um, but to me this feels this feels very much like a, a business crunch kind of move. Um, yeah, everything is just being consolidated and thrown under thrown under umbrella. And you know, I mean, 
I assume he'll get to add a staff. I mean, he'll he'll get an assistant GM to, to really get a handle on Rochester, I, I would imagine. But he has to. But I also think that the, couldn't that be? Uh, I mean, when they're bringing Kruger in for the press conference, right? Is that correct? As we were saying. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. that that to me, <laughs> and Anthony, we've done these things, and Rust, you know, like that to me feels like you're bringing in a guy who doesn't have GM experience mm-hmm. as your new GM, and you're going to bring in Kruger to be like, okay, you know. He's there too. He'll help him out with that part of it. And the Pagulas are supposedly part of the press conference as right. well. So that, I mean, yeah. that that should be interesting in terms of them fielding questions and probably evading the the you know. The, yeah, the like I, I remember when Bob Clark was hired. You know, or it was it Clark or it was Hextall actually? Sorry, when Hextall was hired, they had you know other guy, uh, somebody else there too that was like kind of what kind of who we almost expect. I can't remember who it was, but it was like. I want to say it was Homer, maybe, but it wasn't. I don't know. Somebody would have more experience in Hextall at this thing. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. I'm so tired. Sorry, I forgot. It was when Homer was hired um, that they did this. And it's like, and I forget who it was, but you bring in somebody else. It's like, okay, they'll be fine because, you know. Yeah, yeah they did have somebody. I'd have to go back and look. Yeah, Kruger's got so much experience that yeah. he'll be okay because he can rely on him. So are they going to name, name him like a co-GM or are we going to look at this like. Yeah. So, so let me ask this question. All right. So that, and you're right. I can think along those lines. Yeah. I will ask this question of Joe. I think going to call the Rangers and bring in Lindy Ruff. <laughs> please, please, please. <laughs> I think every Rangers fan wants that to happen. Um, uh, no, I, well, they did talk to Lindy. That's enough for the Ranger fans. Trust me. To the Pat LaFontaine on speed dial. Well, that that won't happen, but that would, <laughs> yeah, um, no. I mean, they did they did speak to Lindy before uh, before they had hired Ralph. I mean, he was yeah, yeah, you know, he was brought in. Um, whether they were just picking his brain or if they were seriously considering, you know, rehiring him as the coach, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the case was there, but I mean, certainly Lindy would love to to get back to head coaching again. I mean, well, it may not even be for head coaching. Maybe they're going to make him team president. Yeah, I, it's. I, I think, I think based on today, I think anything anything you throw up in the air could be a possibility, um, as long as they used to play in Buffalo at some point, or if they grew up here. Um, it's, I mean, it, it, that's that's the well that seems to to, to never run dry around here. Is that you you just find somebody who used to who used to wear the sweater or who grew up here or both, uh, and then there are possibilities. So, hey, maybe, maybe Tim Kennedy, maybe he could be the maybe he could be the. Assistant <laughs> I well, know. I mean, I mean, the Pagulas are flush with cash now because Tim Murray's contract expires in two weeks. But you know, th- this is the thing: it's been nine years, and I'm just going to go through the guys I can remember: Tim Murray, Ted Black, Pat Lafontaine, Ron Ralston, Phil House. I mean, we're talking. I can keep going here. You're talking a dozen names of team presidents, general managers, and head coaches. And what's the common thread? nine years of being an absolute joke of a franchise. And this is a city that doesn't deserve a yeah. joke of a franchise. This is a, this is a good hockey town and yeah. you've got fans who are fed up with the organization because they've been run really badly for nine years. I think we all agreed when we did the Sabre show, if they don't spend money, they're not making the playoffs. Right. And that's and right. to me. And I mean, they're, they're in a, they, I mean, look at the position they're in that. It's just very hard to make the playoffs. I mean, the reality is you got a lot of teams that are just way, way ahead of them. Like we talked about like teams that are just, you know, that you really have to unseat and teams that aren't going anywhere, you know, teams that aren't on the, on the downside of their up, upswing, but there's a lot of teams in this conference that are on the upside of their upswing. You know? Yeah. There's the Sabres right in the middle, just kind of treading water and, and where they're treading water is the, the water is about 
right up to about their forehead. So it's yeah. <laughs> not, not where you want to be treading. Right, right. Um, I mean, what's the general feeling, Joe, in Buffalo about this among people on Twitter and things like that? Is it just, what's the reaction? Uh, I think the feeling is be careful what you wish for. Because um, okay. the fans fans were, were pretty fed up with, with Jason. Uh, right. You always want somebody new. Right. And they said, they said, you know, get somebody in there and get this figured out and get it done. And, and yeah, apparently the Pagulas answered that because, you know, when they addressed it, when, when Kim Pagula addressed everything, she said she in retaining Bottrell, right. said, I know this isn't a popular decision. The fans, you know, the fans have had their say. And here we are, you know, a few weeks later and yeah. giving the fans what they want, but it's, it's very much just like the, the genie's bottle. Joe, let me ask where you this. Just, you know, yeah. you lose out. You yeah. know, you got you to make that wish very specific. It's like the old assistant. It's like the old, you know, backup goalie, backup quarterbacks, old thing type situation. You yeah. Know, Joe, let me ask you this. It was about a week ago, I guess, that Kim Pagula came out publicly, maybe a little longer, and said she needs to do a better job. Did they relook at everything when after she said she needed to do a better job and realized part of doing a better job was to – make this move and try and do something because she felt like they were doing nothing. Well, that's where I think the, the philosophical differences part uh, really comes into play just because, you know, what are those differences where, you know, where did they disagree? Because that, that to me says that, you know, they were having, they, you know, they were having meetings and they were discussing what they want to do for the off season. And what, what's that discussion where the differences are so great that it, they got to say, listen, we're letting you go. And, you know, I think he had two more years on his contract. So, yeah, um, that's. I mean, they, they go from losing, you know, Murray's contract, you know, running out in you know July <laughs> right. or June thirtieth to being like, well, two more years of paying a guy to not to not work here anymore. Um, so, I mean, it's to me that I, I want. This is what I hope that we'll get an answer to. I don't expect that we will, but I want to know what those philosophical differences are. Is it the budget? Is it? Uh, is it? how they're developing players, you know, what is it, how they're drafting, you know, what are these differences, you know, did, did yeah. Jason want to draft X number, uh, you know, th right. these sorts of players or, you know, did the, or did the Pagulas take a look at things and say, you know, listen, here's the budget we got. If you can't work with that, you know, yeah, we'll let's play G let's, let's play media. Let's play, but we're good at playing media. We've all done that. Um, let's play media for a second. We're at the press conference. I've been playing media for 10 years. Now. I know it's amazing. <laughs> Somehow. They fooled everyone. Um, all right, so the um, let's so we're sitting there and just yeah, just 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 that just I just saw my Twitter my Twitter feed just like nuts. Um, all right, so let's just um, see. We're sitting there in the press conference, and the first question is going to be, you know, after they say this thing, they're going to be, what changed between the time you said he was okay to now? You know, like what changed? And that's what you're saying, Joe. Like, did they sit down and have? Some conversations or Russ, you said, did they do they have like a did they say, okay, we talked and between now and then we realized we were on different pages. And if that's the case, then why the hell would you? I mean, it's not like you don't have time to figure things out right now. Like it's we're not like they we're still evaluate the phrase is we're we are we are still evaluating. All right, yes. <laughs> that would be the answer in most circumstances, which I know leaves an open loophole in this case, but then you give and, and your in the age of, in the then day when you're when, when you're sure and your your ducks are in a row, then you say you know we then you then you give your vote of confidence. I, I can. I, social media, you're better off not saying anything at all because if you say you're if you say you're gonna if you say you're reevaluating, that's just if you're if you if you feel compelled to have to say something, yeah. some kind of a statement versus being quiet. Silence also speaks. 
All right, right. So here's my question. You want to hear my question? Yeah, go ahead. What my question is, it's for Kevin. Kevin, um, it really seems like the player development model here has been broken for the last few years. A, have you noticed it? And B, what is your what are you going to do to address that? It's a good question. It's a solid question, right? And Joe, you're playing Kevin in this situation. So <laughs> no, no, don't put that position. <laughs> what, whatever is the most team friendly, put a smile on it. Answer. Is what it <laughs> you know, is there? I mean, you really think it's gotten to that? Is it gotten? Is it that bad? I mean, is it really? Well, there? see, this, this is this. I'm I'm sure I can I can I can sort of mimic what Adams is going to say. Well, we have, you know, a rookie of the year candidate in Rasmus Dahlin, and we have a rookie of the year candidate in Victor Olsen, and we've got a really good young prospect in Dylan Cousins. So I don't see any problem in terms of our player development. The only problem is I could have drafted Rasmus, Rasmus Dahlin first overall. You didn't need to be an expert to draft him. Um, no. you know, Victor Olsen was drafted by Tim Murray, you know, so I think six years ago. So, yeah. you know, like – there is problems in this organization in terms of development. I think they rushed Middlestat. If you look at the roster, the Rochester Amherst, I think their average age is probably 25 years old, and they, they had a lot of AHL veterans on that team. And that's not a bad thing sometimes as support players, but you need young guys to develop. And they had very. And they might be rushing cousins. And they, and they might be rushing cousins that they put. Co and you know what? That might be the situation where the philosophical differences came came about because I think Botterill was looking at this and saying, I've got to make the playoffs this year. I got to make changes. This team isn't good enough. And if they say, well, we can't afford to make those changes because we're losing whatever, $40 million a year on the Sabres, then he basically says, okay, well, you may as well fire me because I'm going to get fired at the end of the year anyway. It's never an owner who doesn't want to rush a player, guys. You know that, right? Like, <laughs> It's not right. the owner who's saying we need to keep him in the minors longer. Right. That's not the case. I mean, so if if that if it is about Cousins forever, it's Botterall not wanting to rush him in and them saying we want to bring him in. Could part of it also be with, you know, Jack Eichel's statement recently of his frustration that they felt that a need had to be made now because – if you have your face of your franchise expressing dissatisfaction that bubbles up through the whole organization, and that I, may have been also a driver here. And Joe, you may know better. I mean, is there a good? Did he have a good relationship with Botterill? Was there a symbiotic viewpoint, or are they kind of at polar ends of their perspective of the team? Well, the the sentiment that I was gathering from from the end of the season stuff, and you know, you, you hear things here and there, and I mean, there's always rumbling discussion stuff, but. Uh, it was not, from my understanding, it was not a mistake that the players all rallied around Ralph uh, in the posts in the uh, the end of the season uh, press conferences to to show their support for him. Um, which to me points that maybe there was already discussion of some kind of move being made, anyways. And it's it's a it's a total guess on my part, but yeah. Uh, but to me, that when you rally around the coach that hard after a difficult season. Um, that to me points the finger somewhere else in the organization. And you know, it's, it's, I mean, there's a lot of people involved, but there's, there's only so many people involved when it, when it comes to putting the team together. And I, I think, I think yeah. when you have a team that spent the way that they did and spent way over the cap, the way they did and had 68 points, I think that points the finger pretty squarely at the executive room. I can yeah. remember one phrase that Eichel said in his end of the season media availability. He said, I'm not going to tell him how to be the GM. But when somebody says that, I think they're telling them how to be the GM. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, or, or he's, he's, you know, or or you know, by him, by him 
no. very overtly making his frustration known. I think he's sending a warning to the Pagulas, you better do something in the next couple of years or I want out of this clown car. I mean, but here's the problem they're going to have at the press conference. One of the media members, whether it's Mike Carrington, and it probably will be Mike, that says, are you planning on making the playoffs next year? Even though they don't have a good team, the system is a little marginalized, you might rush your best prospect, and you might not spend a lot of money, that question is going to be asked. Oh, yeah. That's where the tap dancing is going to happen. And, Joe, it's getting to be like a New York Jets management here where it's like a a coach. Well done, Michael. Throw that grenade right in the room. (laughs) We're taking this to the the depth. A coach of a previous GM is now – under the control of the next GM. And now the next GM is going to be looking for the next coach. I mean, I mean, I know in the press release, they said, well, Kevin Adams and, and, uh, and Ralph Kruger have been had a close relationship. I would be surprised if Ralph Kruger knew who Kevin Adams was. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. That's a little bit. Ralph's a pretty hands-on. Yes. But I'm, just saying, um, I'm just saying, no, I, I, I get what you're saying, but, um, but again, that, that to me, and it's it's it could be just a total nothing thing. But that that to me points why having Kruger on on for this uh, this whole uh, introduction today is going to be interesting to know. And I don't know that they would you know bury a story like that, but maybe it just they want to casually just say, yeah. well, you know, we're going to have Ralph Ralph's insight will be very you know will be very needed here. And I, I mean, coaches and DMs, but. Yeah, no, you're I'm, right. He's a human shield today. Honestly, I, that's what I think. I mean, he's, I, would, I would be shot. Great position. This is this is this interesting thing for Kruger because we all know like the story about him getting back in coaching and what he did, and he was in very happy where he was before. Um, so either he's really on board with this or he's really not. You know what I mean? That to me, to me, there's no in between for Kruger on this. The fact he's on that panel tells me he's probably behind it. Or probably has probably not behind it, not not like he made it. As, support as, a mem- it. as a member of the organization, considering this is a major move, they want every they want to have as much of the appearance of a united front as possible. Right. Exactly. No, they want that. Not a guy who has to do that. You know what I mean? Like he actually does. He draws his paycheck. <laughs> he, he draws his paycheck. paycheck yeah, he will. <laughs> no, you're right, but he can get other paychecks. You know, he's not the kind of guy who can't find another place to get a paycheck. Um, Let me ask Joe one one question, um, Joe. Does Sam Reinhardt's agent um, make a little call now and say, let's end this. This is, you're not going to give the money that my client wants. Let's end this in an amicable way. And let's do this while you have this time now to actually make trades being a bottom 17. Well, uh, um, I'm Wait. sure any of the other bottom seven teams would love to add a Sam Reinhardt to it. I mean, right. if they're also out of the playoffs, then yeah, I'm, I'm sure they would love they would love to have that conversation. But if um, I believe his agent's Craig Oster, um, if I'm Craig Oster, I mean, I, I'd be annoyed first off because Sam probably should have had a, a long term deal figured out two years ago. Yep. Uh, when he was fir- when he first became an RFA uh, after his after his entry level deal was done, that that right. to me is like well, let's just get this figured out instead of just doing a two year bridge deal. But now he can command more money, which is good for him. It's, that's the whole point. Um, but the, the problem is, is the money there? You know, yeah. I, 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 I mean, these are questions I think that are that are fair to ask. I mean, we know where the Pagula's money came comes from. It comes from natural gas, and those prices aren't very good now. Um, right, right. And you know the, they, the, you know they make a lot of money off from the NFL from the bills, but I mean they're also putting a ton of money into that as well. So I mean, 
you know, and now you have a season where they've lost, where they lost the, um, they missed out on getting six more home games. And that's, that's a few million dollars a game makes a big difference if you're, if you're already in a budget crunch, but uh, you know, I, this is, it's the sort of thing where I think a lot of the, the money talk started to come up when O'Reilly was moved because the, the big rumor was uh, Pagulas didn't want to pay the bonus anymore, which is why they moved to, to get him traded before, uh, before the day or before, right. before it came due. But yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that's all speculation. And we don't know that for, you know, whether that's true or not, but it's, you can look back on it and go, well, I don't know what's actually going on here. And a lot of the moves they've made where it's, you know, they've fired executives either, you know, for philandering reasons or because, you know, they just wanted to. Um, it's a lot of people where they've, yeah. they've cut out and just decided to bring it all under one tent. And they, they you know, it's the like you know, the story my, my friends John Vogel and Tim Graham did. They've got a lot of people doing a lot of, you know, one person doing about three persons jobs. And there's a lot of people doing that. And yeah, yeah. he just points that finger right back in the same direction. It's just that it's at a really high level. Well, yeah. I mean, here's one thing I want to throw in this in there. Sorry, Mike, but the, the, is is this like I'm going back? I was going back on my notes this morning about the whole GM search that ended up with Botterill and the different people I talked to who were interviewed with the Sabers. And there's one kind of and a couple other assistant GMs and such. And the one thing that they all sort of said about this, like quasi off the record at the time, and I got one of them the permission to be able to use this today, was that the Sabres, when they went in there, they talked to them and the more they talked to the Pagulas, the more they felt like they weren't, they didn't just need a GM, they needed a general organization, um, like overhaul in terms of how things are done, in terms of the way that just, you know, straight up like, you know, like what Lou Lamorella did in New Jersey, which is like take everything and be like, okay, this is what, this is how we treat different things. This is how different, it's have like a, they said they needed way more and, a, and I know one guy even went in there with a proposal of saying, this is how I think you should overhaul the entire thing. And I think, I think it kind of over, it overwhelmed them a little bit to the point where, you know, they, you know, when they went to Botterill, they went to Botterill, Botterill who um, didn't seem, you know, as, uh, well, as I, intent on just changing everything. But there is, there was definitely a feeling among the people who interviewed for the job, the more they got inside, the more they talked to them, that there was some general things that they needed to do that they weren't doing that other teams were doing. Well, I mean, th th this is the thing. If you look at the the split between the Sabers and the Bills, the Bills right now are on the upswing. They're they're very successful. They've made the playoffs two of the last three years, and the reason for that is because the Pagulas have very little to do with with football operations. It's Brandon Bean and it's Sean McDermott with the with the Sabers. Pagula has made it very clear that he was a Sabres fan going back. He treats it, you know, there, there is, I, I think, a little bit of meddling and a little bit of get, getting involved in decisions that maybe he shouldn't because he's not a, not a hockey expert. When you're an owner, that's the, you know, you have, you know, if you want to be part of it, you can be part of it. But I think it's been to the detriment of the organization. And, if, and going forward here, if they're penny pinching and they're going to say, okay, we're not going to give Sam Reinhart a long-term extension, we're going to, go to arbitration for the next two years and risk him going leaving an unrestricted free agency or trading him. I don't think that's good asset management. And I also don't think Joe, that if they, you know, they could, they could be proactive and sign Rasmus Dahlin to an eight year max contract like Ottawa did with Shabbat earlier this year. But if they let him play out his third year of the ELC and then he has another good year, they're costing themselves money. It's, it's it's not proper hockey operations. What they're doing right now, if they go down that road, and yeah, it's uh, 
that 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 to me has been has been an issue you know going i mean to me it starts with reinhardt with just yeah. the way they handled that i mean they they can say that they had pressing you know other pressing things to do whether it was jack's contract or free agency, you know, whatever was going on um but that but this is i mean this is something where it's it's not just it's just not being smart about how you have to you have to try to get a handle on on, on running the business side of things and I, I you know that's not to say jason was 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 very good at it either i mean you know i don't know how you have a cap strap team that does as poorly as they did and not address issues that came up you know even last off season last off season we knew they needed a, a, another center and they decided to get marcus johansson and 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 throw him into that spot even though he hadn't done it in seven years and that that to me just says well i'm not going to pay a premium price for for, for right. that position. exactly we'll find a way to make it work and it you can't run an NHL team that way. You cannot. Didn't they learn from Billy Leno that you shouldn't do that? That you shouldn't right. get a guy with a different yeah. position and push so, him. So another big question is, are they going to bring Sabretooth back or is he going to get cut too? <laughs> you want a real fan revolt, Sabretooth will be gone. That, that'll be <laughs> <everybody> <laughs> gone. What are they going to do to fill the seats, Joe? They're losing fans daily. You know, it's crazy. I think back to like the 13, 14, even the 14, 15, really bad. You know, those two really bad seasons. Yeah. They were still able to fill the building up. Yeah. Right. And still came out like crazy. I mean, this is crazy. Fan base is not going anywhere. I mean, they, I had, they had a waiting list for season tickets, Joe. I was one of the season ticket holders back then. It was a 10 year long waiting list, and it's gone now. And what they did was that they used to piss off everybody else in the NHL, the richer teams, is you know they they would have this big waiting list, but yet they were one of the cheaper ticket prices in the league. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, and, and that's that's why I think a, a good number of them are from Southern Ontario. Yeah, uh, yeah. A lot, yeah, yeah. A lot easier to get tickets in Buffalo than to try to get them in Toronto or, or right anywhere right. else. Right, it's cheaper uh, to get season tickets to Sabres than I mean, to try the Sabres. The Sabres were 20th in attendance. Yeah, no, but I mean, they used to, they used to be just. I remember that that was just a crazy thing when revenue sharing was going on. How they were people would be so angry at them for not, you know, raising their ticket prices when they were doing really well, like back in the, in, you know, right after the lockout. Well, I'm yeah. sure I'm sure other owners are are still mad at them for not really jacking up the prices, but you can't really do that here, or else. Yeah, the team could be great, but if you're paying Chicago prices in Buffalo, yeah, that ain't gonna fly. Well, they they sold draft tickets too. I don't think they'd be able to do that in this climate either. Yeah. Russ, why don't we talk about the uh, why don't we yeah, talk about the Nassau Coliseum here? Okay. Let's let's talk about Mikhail Prokhorov and the Nassau Coliseum. So it was just um, more good news. Newsday came out with a tweet today. Sure. One of the reporters, Buckman, who basically said the doors are closing on Nassau Coliseum and the lights are out, and Prokhorov is trying to just get somebody to basically assume the debt. That's all he wants, and he wants somebody just to come up with a hundred mil in this climate and boy in one way the nhl is lucky that they're doing hub cities and they're not having teams try and play at their actual building because this would cause chaos it still might cause chaos because the next season is not that far around the corner and if somebody doesn't come up with 100 million nassau county's not gonna they are going to have a problem they may have to play all their games at brooklyn if they don't get this result they burned some bridges at brooklyn too that's not yeah Jan, Jan, I'll throw in a couple bucks. You want to, you want to uh, get together and buy Nassau Coliseum from. Oh, doesn't this guy also own that building in the Nets? I don't. I don't think he owns it fully. I think he owns it with Nassau County. I think it's a deal. It is a deal. I'm pretty sure it's a deal. I mean, Newsday's been all over this stuff. I mean, they restarted the building of the new Coliseum. You know, once the once the you know the halt of the pandemic. 
um, lifted a little bit. So, I mean, we're looking at one year, but, you know, you think about because of the pandemic, all of the other events that they were supposed to have there, that has taken off a revenue stream, which probably wasn't counted on by Prokhorov, who we all know had issues when he owned, you know, the Nets and other teams in the local area. So this, unfortunately... Yeah. Doesn't come as a big surprise, but I mean, I'm waiting to hear from my Islander fans because I'm sure they're all up in arms right now. And I'm, I'm about 15 minutes from there, so it should be interesting to kind of see what's going on at at, at, at that place right now. Yeah, this is a big. It's a big deal. There's I mean, probably I, a line at the bathroom. That's probably what's happening. There's always I mean, a line at the bathroom. <laughs> this is not the best. Never time to go. See it was a bathroom. It's not yeah, the greatest they, time to they, go. They renovated. Hold on, let Jane tell this. This is the best. They haven't done a ton of stuff at that arena. And they didn't renovate the bathroom situation. That was the crazy part. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that arena. I mean, it's a great arena, though. Come it on. is. I mean, we all grew up there. Not all of us, but some of us grew up there. And I went to a ton of events there. I didn't get there with the new renovation yet. But it's just, to me, it's crazy that it has come to this, that it's closed. And what's even crazier is we haven't even heard from the league. Like, the NHL hasn't even made a comment yet. Bill Daly is going to help. Before he just came, so we might, so might get something later on today. Uh oh, Anthony, yeah. you got your thing. You got your, you got your USB craziness again. Sorry, just unplugging. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna hear a comment from the league, and it's probably just gonna say we're looking into it. But the league's not giving them a hundred mil to open the doors. Well, this is not exactly on the top. Well, remember, of that it's, it's not as big as you're about, right? Because there's no games going on there right now. Yeah. Right. Like with the schedule, you're probably not looking into December, right? So you you have a handful of months. To try to resolve, it's not a pressing, pressing yeah, item yeah. that has to be done. No, but it's like it's, it, it's close. You to want to get pressing. somebody started on it, right? But but it's not like you have a month to resolve it. You have a couple of months to try to find somebody. It's not as if you're playing games there next week where he's shutting the doors and you can't open it because the locks are on the doors. No, but you can't do an NHL schedule like if they, right. you know, let's say they decide in October that's when we're going to release the schedule for the next season. Right. They can't do it if the Coliseum's in flux. Right. Agreed. They may be working behind the scenes to find somebody, but I agree. Right. They need to come out with some statement indicating, <laughs> you know, that they're on top of this and taking a look yeah. at it. And, you know, Nassau County right now is not in the position to start laying out $100 million, no. given that we're still re- just – we've just gone. We were in phase two of the pandemic recovery. Phase three hasn't even really started yet, which isn't starting yet. And businesses here have been shuttered and hurting. So right. they're nowhere near the place to, to say, oh, yeah, we can cover $100 million debt. No problem. I mean, I have to say, I mean, Gary Bettman's been able to do wonders before, but it is going to be hard to find somebody to buy this property owing 100 mil before you open the doors. The only thing I can think of is is they've, they've given a portion of the land to Northwell Health, which is obviously which, which has taken a big part of it. With the new arena potentially going to open, you have to wonder if they're going to try to sell another portion of the land because they figure in another year they're not going to have to worry about the Coliseum anyway once the new arena gets built. What's Michael, Michael Lerner doing now? Oh, man. How about Boots, how about Boots Del Biagio? Um, you were saying we, we, we lost Anthony for a second there. Yes, and. Uh, he turned me off. <laughs> <laughs> you just leave him out. <laughs> well, it's all right. Um, that's all right. Don't worry about it. Right. Josh Harris just, trying to lay money out. I'm going to start off on Josh Harris now. Okay. <laughs> another idea for the show, guys. Here, this is my other thought for this show. Ready? Okay. I just think that, you know, this is it. This is how we should go. Oh, my God. You got this here, and I can do this? Yeah, I get it. I, I'm not <laughs> Come on. This is straight out of it. Not as somebody who grew up in the 70s with my first name, clearly not the ideal there. Yeah. All right, fine. Jesus, we got we got new. Make the show a little bit happier. 
Yeah, I'm on the show. There is no happiness. Um, okay, uh, there is spoken like true, Mike. There you go. Uh, now there was some news on the on the Hub City front. Uh, uh, I was going to say Pierre Trudeau, but Justin Trudeau, uh, the Prime Minister of Canada, came out and said uh, three Canadian cities are asking to be hub cities. Obviously, the decision has to be made by the NHL and the cities and the provinces. Canada is open to have hosting uh, and being a hub city as long as it is okayed by local authorities. And then the pre uh, the head of uh, health in the in the province of Ontario uh, basically gave. The, the thumbs up. So I, I think Toronto is moving ahead of Edmonton and Vancouver in terms of the potential of being a hub city. Uh, now, I, I wasn't sure about it a few days ago, but now I'm getting the feeling that t Toronto is in line to be that second hub city. Joe, what have you heard of anything? Uh, yeah, I'll be honest with you. I haven't heard anything about the hub city. You know, okay. I do have a thinking with Buffalo stuff. Like there was, yeah, yeah. I know. They put a bullet in the season. I was just kind of like, all right. I, think right. I, have to, <laughs> I have to have a tweet. David David Pagnano has a tweet that he said Justin Trudeau said about ten minutes ago that um, he won't stop the uh, Canada from having a hub city as long as it's okayed by the local authorities. Right. He's right. he's passing the buck. Yeah. <laughs> now they didn't say I haven't seen anything released by the the British Columbia local authorities or the Alberta local authorities, but. Uh, the Ontario, Lisa McLeod, her name is, she was very proactive like a month ago saying that they were going to open up facilities. So basically, she said, we're, we're the home of the Hockey Hall of Fame. We're the home of the Maple Leafs, you know, uh, one of the, the a storied franchise and part of the original six. And given our, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, basically, it's like, we're, hey, take me, I'm yours is basically what they're saying. And I think that's the case. I think T Toronto wants it. They see a chance to to make some make some money in this, and uh, and uh, I think you know some of the local businesses will benefit from it. So I think we have rights holders right there in the city. You know, there's yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of benefits to the NHL. You know, like there's no question that you know with TSN and Sportsnet, it, it is the focal point of the media in Canada. You know, it it. There, it it doesn't make any sense though if you're gonna put the Western Conference there. I'll throw no, that out. that's gonna be the best part of this is it's <laughs> going to annoy Leaf fans that the Western Conference teams will be there. It no, may gonna, Yes, it will, Mike. I really no, don't see any issue with making with putting them uh, you know, if all the other teams like I think every other team would sign off in a second to say we're okay with the Maple Leafs having it in Toronto. Like it, no, there are no fans. They're staying in hotels too. No, no, but but Anthony showed a tweet from Brad McCrimmon the other day, which Kelly showed Kelly Kelly McCrimmon. Uh, Kelly McCrimmon. Right. Yeah, tell us, yeah. Second. I know, I know. And tell us about the tweet from Kelly McCrimmon. Do you remember it? I, I remember it otherwise. Well, with a lot of their players basically being in Vegas throughout the entire, you know, our players are comfortable. They're in the, you know, and there's. You can interpret that any way you want to in terms of teams being sort of in their own home rink and having us, you know, knowing, you know, the sight lines and being, you know, having, if there's any belief in a little bit of an advantage that Vegas would have playing in their own home arena as a hub city and the possibility of them having to be in a different city as a result because of some interpretation by other teams that they have even so much as a smidge they know like you know if we if we shoot the buck the puck around the boards at four feet we'll hit that one bastion that'll come out in the just what talking about it's like we're not like there's no but, but just think of it this way Aki. in the in this in this world of covid 19 what is the last thing that they want a problem with in toronto and that is 
groups of people getting together, say at Maple Leaf Square, and, and like now, even if they even if they don't have the game on the big screen, them congregating because the Leafs are in that arena playing the they're game. Doing that they're anyway, they're doing that no matter where it's played. It doesn't matter. You know? It'll be less so if they're playing in Vegas. Than you they know would. that right now, Mitch Marner is burying a toonie in the ice. You know it. <laughs> Me, I don't it's know. Happening. I mean, it's like it's just it's just like I mean, the, the, the Vegas. Give it to them. They're an expansion team for crying out loud. Still, they deserve whatever they can get. Um, and the Leafs are always cursed anyway, so it just doesn't matter. Give them that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, no, but, but Mike has a good point. If you don't have their teams there, it, it might ease up the job the police will have to do to keep people away from the rink because people are going to want to be seeing them at the rink at the practice facility. And and even even in these times, they're going to try and sneak a peek. They are. Yeah. We saw it happen. Listen, I still remember at the beginning of the pandemic in, in Paris when PSG was playing a – Champions League game in an empty in what was an empty stadium. The crowd around the stadium was around uh, the yeah. you know the, the stadium at Park de Prince was ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, and there is that there is that possibility of that. I'll give you that. I just think that in general, putting all the East Coast teams in Vegas and all the West Coast teams in Toronto is it feels absolutely pointless. Like it feels it feels ridiculous to me on many levels. Yeah, but I, I don't know. again, you I, I've already said mine. I, it, it, from my perspective, I think it just makes logistical sense to have, you know, if it's going to yeah. be, you're going to have an East Hub and a West Hub yeah. to play those teams in those places. It just doesn't make any yeah. sense. I mean, that happens in the game of the night. You can have, you know, you're not going to, if you're, if you're playing in, you're going to, you're going to be playing these games at one in the morning. You're going to start at one in the morning in, in Toronto, whatever. Yeah. How could these games seem weird when we're playing hockey in August? Like, come on. No, it'll be phenomenal. I don't care. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> There's been World Cups in August, you know, cut it out. It'll be great. It'll be great. Yeah, some of my yeah. fondest, fondest memories. Canada Cups in August. You know, great stuff that happened way, way back when. But yeah, I just think I don't know. To me, <laughs> I, I just I think I think it's just like thinking. It's it's like it's like paralysis by analysis to me. Like that concept of like of ever at that point. Me, but, they're overthinking it. That, yeah. that, that was the first thing I heard. Is just as as Anthony said, East day in the East, West day in the West. Who cares if Vegas is out there? They're not playing in front of fans where they're getting a real home ice advantage. Why bother? Why things are already torn torn asunder and mixed up? Why create more things in terms of throwing in the mix that are sort of oddball? Just stick east and east and west and west and just go with it. I mean, so, for the three games the Leafs are going to have to play against Columbus, is this really a big deal? Like, think about it like that way. Yeah, Eck, I have to ask you. He's doing his best troll act here. The three Eck. games after they, after they get swept by the Blue Jackets. There you Eck, go. In, in bigger in bigger news, Eck, I have to ask you because I I noticed this picture yesterday, but I yeah. waited for it to play out just in case it was an early shot. But when Gary Bettman did that interview yesterday with ESPN, there was a hockey net behind him in his backyard, yeah. and I wonder if you've gotten confirmation like who's shooting on that net. His grand, his grandson. He was picking top corner on him, like, like, like Gary was Ed Jockerman or something like that. It's yeah, like, people are talking it, about it on Twitter. Probably Tom Barrasso. You know, that I thought people were talking more about the squirrel that was that crawled in during the interview. Well, the angle they did on the on the shot almost looked like Bettman was sitting there with the hockey net right behind Greenberg when he was interviewing. <laughs> I'm always impressed that no one's shooting at this net behind me. Like, you know, I always expect someone back here, you know, to take shots, and no one ever does. <laughs> I, think, I think the show is ground to a halt, guys. Um, I want to say, <laughs> okay. Uh, we want to thank you all for watching today, um, and thanks so much, Joe, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, and Dan, Anthony, of course, it's just a great. It's, it's it's great to see it. Talk to everybody. It's great to talk hockey for a little while, even if it is. Even Wait, if we're not going to talk about the Ryan Reeves signing. 
Sure. Well, can, can I just, can I just, we are going to keep on the Vegas theme it's here. Right as well. It's a real funny. You got signed to a two year. Two years. Can I, can it's I, can I just, like we were done, but that's it. All right. But let's, let's, let's just continue on. Mike, let's now to news. One, one second because <laughs> he, signed, he signed a two year deal at 1.75 million per. Yeah. And that's a significant cut from his current salary. Yeah. I think this is a recognition. He sees the fact, okay, well, you know, he could be in the expansion draft. He could be exposed, but he took a significant pay cut. And I think you're going to see a lot of players. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's not a borderline NHL or NHL, or he's a, an enforcer. He's an effective fourth line guy, yeah. but they re I think a lot of players are going to realize the money is going to be tough to come by over the next couple of years. And if you can get a deal and you take a little bit of a haircut, it's better to get some security than to risk it. Because you may end up at the end of that contract getting a one-year deal for league minimum. It was a smart move for him. For him. I mean, he's not a star. Stars are still going to get their money. Stars will still get their money. Just like in baseball, Mookie Betts will get $30 million from some some team. Mm. But you don't think so? I don't know, Mike. Uh, I mean, guys were trolling yesterday. They were already saying, oh, Rod, Mookie Betts is going to take a take a cut and pay. Guys were already trolling yesterday after, after. somebody tweeted – the Mookie Betts trade was still a good trade for the Dodgers. Some guy said, "Yeah, but Betts isn't going to get the forty million as the as the Red Sox fan who's upset still that they traded him and right. turned out a contract from them." No, there's no question. Much the extra grim. We're back to baseball, right? Where we started. Well, from. I, wanted, I, wanted to, I wanted to ask Joe. I wanted to ask Joe if if if, if you know bringing back to hockey because we you know we thought maybe you know Alex Pietrangelo might take a one year deal with St. Louis or a one year deal someplace else to wait till the money. Uh, you know, so there's a bounce back financially by the NHL, but more than likely he's going to get paid because he's Alex Pietrangelo. Yeah, I, I, I mean, plus we have no idea what the cap's going to do, right? You know, for, from here out. I mean, I, I, I know people don't want it to drop, but I mean, how could it, I mean you have to have that? I think that conversation has to be had if you're going to knock it down. But I think, yeah. I think at that point it becomes a, a hairy thing where you got to talk about doing. Um, compliance buyouts, and I don't. I don't think the PA or the league, or the, the owners certainly don't want to do that. They just don't want to hand out buckets of money all right. at once. So finding a way to get that figured out. That's why I, I'm a believer that they'll just hold it at 81. It was 81.5 for three years, and just wait for things to come back. But I mean, you still got to get a new CBA done. You got to, you know, you've got a new team coming in. You've got there's so many things that just make this a really weird time to just to try to do any of this sort of prognostication because yeah you know you don't know what it's gonna what it's gonna play out like you know you know is you know does Darlene deserve a eight you know an eight year 64 million dollar extension does he deserve more does he deserve less is he gonna take a bridge deal would you want to do a bridge deal with the number one number one pick defenseman who's done scoring stuff that only guys I wouldn't Bobby Orr <laughs> done like I don't no. know if I want to do that uh, yeah I mean the the, re, the paradigm has shifted completely so I I think I mean just you know in the UFA and you know research that I've been doing which is a lot of it trying to prepare for certain things that are going to happen quickly here at some point hopefully yeah. um is that is that um quickly in October yeah quickly in October but you know but it'll be right on the heels of the playoffs is that you know I think we're going to see short-term deals. I think we're going to see a lot of short deals. I think yeah, we're going to see a lot of quick deals, like because of what you're saying, Joe. Like, well, not, not for Darlene. I mean, if he accepts a bridge deal, I'll be shocked. And yeah, probably not Darlene, but in most cases, I think you will. There, there are going to be teams that even have a problem if it's flat at eighty-one point five. A team like Tampa. Right. 
is yeah. going to be in deep trouble if the, if the cap stays flat. A team like Toronto with $40 million allocated to four players – uh, four forwards, they're going to be in trouble too. And they, it may not be able to be solved by trading a Kapanen or Andreas Janssen. They might have to trade a big contract like a Nylander to, to be able to have operating room. So it's well, like I mean, trading a big thing. contract right now. You know, that's one more not- thing, bringing it back to Joe for the Sabres. I mean, Joe, do you think there's really any chance that Darlene's agent is going to say, yeah, go ahead and accept the two year bridge deal? Because I don't. Uh, I, would, I would certainly hope not, but I. I didn't think Reinhardt was going to get a two-year. Yeah, but it's a difference in players. Right? say it is. It is, but but it's I mean, a different environment. Point, you know, you're paying that guy a lot of money at some point, but at that, I don't know if you want to go the baseball the baseball contract route where you just you just tell a guy like, well, listen, we're going to pay you what we pay you just because we can, uh, because we have you under control. You know, take it or leave it. But you know, I think NHL players you usually you lose those guys. Like, though. The Mets do that game, and they usually lose those guys. Yeah. Right, and that's I mean that's something you know that's not a game you want to play with guys at that level. You don't, you know, yeah. the fact that some NHL teams found ways to do it is is fascinating, but yeah. uh, it, it doesn't always really work out. I mean, it it didn't really work out. I mean, it worked out great, and for the team making the trades favor or you know trading right. with that team seemed to work great for Columbus moving on from Ryan Johansson. I mean that that worked yeah. out. That worked out really well, but I mean, you, you don't want to be on the bad end of those deals. You're better off with the guy that you have already than going out and, and just changing it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. People in the chat are asking when they think the free agency period will be, and I think it, I think it's going to be in November, October. I think uh, I think maybe November, early November. I, I think I think I think the second season. I think the next season. Uh, you need a window. Yeah, you got it. Well, I would say because if we're looking at what the beginning of twenty twenty one, or I, if it is a if it, or or if it's just twenty twenty one, as in the starting yeah. in January, and trying to get through the season, then I would yeah. say maybe it's October going into November, and then giving enough time for the players to. Well, move and reacclimate to their new environments and the new yeah, I mean, yeah yeah you have to do the draft first you know you have to mm-hmm. do the draft first you have to get all that to work out first then you're going to trade surviving the drafts like that you got to give a little bit of time between the draft not a lot obviously but like a couple weeks from there so yeah i think you're looking at november i don't i really would be shocked if the next season started in december i honestly feel like it's going to be january but i still think that it could be the end of december or middle of december um yeah and we'll see what how quick the playoffs go like that that's a yeah. fact I think that, I think the tentative date for game like they said game seven of the Stanley Cup final could be like October eighth, and if that's right. the case, then you know usually the the draft is a couple weeks after the final game of the Stanley mm-hmm. Cup. So then and then and then free agency is about four or five days after the draft. So maybe November first is the is the July first of this year. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe that'll be Canada Day. <laughs> we'll call that Canada Day. It'll probably be like you know who knows. Anyway, I think we're good now. I mean, by November first, that could be building his rink. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. The fox is We can put that on the stands. I can be the fan. <laughs> All right, kids. Uh, again, thanks everybody. Again, and remember, without the buzz, folks, we'll be back again tomorrow. It is just hockey. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.